From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jamal. And this is the VinePair podcast, Friday edition. It's a Friday before Labor Day, folks. The unofficial end of the summer. Aww. I'm so sorry to say it. it's Adam's favorite season is coming to an end. And he's not even here to mourn it. I know. <laughs> yeah, come on. I feel like if you're going to stand by it, you should be here to the bitter end <laughs> and really yeah. suffer through the humidity, you know? Anyway. Is Labor Day a thing you're excited about? Do you have a do you have a holiday weekend plans or is it just like, uh, you know, another weekend? Ordinarily, it's just another weekend for me. And I'm excited for it because obviously it's a day or two off, which is nice. But I'm a big fall person myself. I'm a Scorpio. I love the fall. So the end of summer is, is not really tearful for me because it means <laughs> the fall's coming. But in a few, you know, in years past or maybe for the past like five years or so, the Friday of Labor Day weekend, my uh, Evan, my brother and sister-in-law are all in a um, fantasy football. Oh, league. yes, that's right. And this is well, this is when they do their draft. And so I, instead of participating because I do not care, uh, I join. And we usually go to some restaurant where we can sit for a long period of time and they can be on their computers drafting. And I can eat seafood towers and drink drinks. Oh, that that actually sounds lovely. Yeah, so I don't know where we're going, where we're going this year, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, not Maybe. for football reasons. What about <laughs> you, Zach? Do you like Labor Day? I gotta say, I'm kind of I, I appreciate it. The sentiment of Labor Day itself. Sure. I think when you're a kid, right? You when you're in school, you have it's such a visceral thing where it's like on the one hand, oh, like yeah. the end of summer is like very hard. On the other hand, like I think for most of my scholastic career, I was pretty like, you know, looking forward to going back to school. You know, you kind of there's that like, you know, early September hype kind of thing when you're like, I have, you know, whether you're young, you're like, oh, look, I have like a new, you know, folders or something or new clothes. And those <laughs> yes, are all just kind of fun. Back to school shopping. That was the best. Yeah. You haven't seen your friends in a while in some cases, et cetera. Um, as an adult, I think I'm, it's like, oh yeah, okay. It's another weekend. And, you know, the, 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 grim truth of having children especially young children who are not going back to school yet although my son will be going back the day after so that's a big thing to look forward to is um it's just another day you know it's just yeah. another day where it's actually worse because <laughs> since he doesn't have school on monday it's just another day where i have to wake up and deal with both children for longer um oh. that i don't love them i do but uh, <laughs> we're going through the period of time when uh saul is out of school he has like a short summer break in, with his pre-k program and so it's like it's rough <laughs> having both oh. kids home uh anyhow no, no problem there. But uh, it is it is definitely transitional. And as someone who I don't know what exactly what my favorite season is, but uh, I do like early fall. It's a nice one. One of the it's best nice. sub seasons, if you could, if you will. I feel like those are the best experiences I've had in Seattle as well. Early very fall. Yeah, we do beautiful have, have very nice weather. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So to celebrate or prepare for Labor Day, we thought we'd talk about something, I don't know, fun, celebratory, yeah. pina coladas. And we're talking about them today because here in New York, and I think in other parts of the country as well, the pina colada has made its way onto fancy cocktail menus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting because how? <laughs> how and why? Do you remember the first pina colada you ever had, Joanna? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, virgin or, you know, you know, I feel like no, the no, first no, the one actual I cocktail. The actual 
Well, I think it was probably, yeah, like in, in St. Martin with my family mm-hmm. uh, on a vacation at the beach bar, right? Like that's yeah. kind of, that's the vibe of the pina colada, the frozen pina colada. Do you remember yours? <laughs> well, so this is a really interesting thing to talk about in this episode, which is I think this sort of divergence between the frozen version of the cocktail yes. and the sort of quote unquote classic version of the cocktail. I drank a lot of frozen pina coladas in New York City in college. There was a place called uh, BBQ, which used to be on, I think it was on like, oh gosh, okay, here. So it would have been on like maybe Green Street and 6th Street or something like that. It was very close to the NYU campus. And they had very, very large, very, very sweet pina coladas and and other frozen drinks too, but the pina colada was my go-to. And I drank a lot of those and um, they probably didn't do, um, you know, much for my health, but uh, they were delicious. (laughs) And I think like there's that world in which the pina colada exists as this, yeah, frozen, tropical, sweet drink that's like fun to drink, but very unserious, I think, in a lot of ways. And then like one of my other actual very instructive pina colada experiences was many years later, a bar here in Seattle that was uh, focusing on they had they had sort of decided over the course of the the summer that they were going to do like a you would it's not it wasn't really like a pop up bar but it was like every I think maybe it was every month or maybe it was every two weeks I don't remember the exact intervals like we're going to really like focus on one of these sort of summery tropical drinks but we're going to make it like the best we can not necessarily mm-hmm. like crazy premium rum or whatever but just like we're going to juice pineapples which is a you know a thankless task i believe oh yeah we're going to like get the best coconut you know milk or cream we can or maybe we're getting fresh coconuts i don't remember maybe they were doing that and and blending that as well probably they were all in thinking about it and like we're going to make them like the way they're meant to be made and that was really eye-opening because I was like, oh, shit. Like, when you actually put together, like, fresh pineapple juice and, like, fresh coconut milk and rum, it's like a com- – it might as well be a completely a different, different drink. drink from the frozen yeah. pina colada. Which it, it is, but it's so striking to me. It was at that time. Um, and so, you know, it's not a thing that I have very often anymore. But I, I, I want to get into your ideas because I have a few about why in the world it's trendy right now. So I think it's trendy right now in the same way – or. Because of the reason we're seeing other things from the past kind of come back in this um, kind of ironic way, um, you know, our our nostalgia for those things, right? But like this whole 90s fashion that we're seeing again and the drinks of that era as well coming back onto menus and being kind of rediscovered by a new generation and they're claiming it as their own, Um and I think that's kind of why it's like, yeah, it's kind of silly to see a pina colada on a menu because I think so many people have this idea of that pina, that first pina colada that you and I had, right? The mm-hmm. frozen pina colada, not the, not one on the rocks. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, kind of like a dirty Shirley thing too, right? Like it's kind of funny and, and interesting to order that drink while you're out. And I think that's why we're seeing it. What I think is interesting, though, is that bartenders are are putting it on their menus mm-hmm. and, and taking it seriously. Yeah. But I think it's for the reason that I was kind of getting at, which is that when taken seriously, it's actually a really compelling drink. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's out of date exactly. It doesn't conform to certain elements of modern 
what we think of as modern drinks sensibility. I mean, for one, it's definitely like a rich cocktail. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have coconut milk or cream or whatever in there. You have pineapple juice, which isn't rich, but is certainly can be sweet. But on the other hand, like, I think one thing that we've seen a lot in drinks in cocktail culture over the last, I don't know, decade is a lot of interesting emphasis on and thinking about the texture of drinks and how important that is. And that's why technique matters. It's why ingredients matter. It's why you've seen things like fat washing and all that kind of become popularized. And it's because like a cocktail with an inviting texture is going to connect with guests in a way that a less appealing cocktail, just purely from that textural standpoint, won't. And a well-made pina colada has, I think, a really beautiful kind of rich but but velvety texture that is, you know, it's indulgent, but it's not, it doesn't feel cloying in the way that sometimes cocktails made with like heavy cream can, I guess, mm-hmm. I would say. There's something about yeah. the coconut that is fresher and lighter in feel. Well, yeah, especially if you're using like unsweetened coconut cream. Like mm-hmm. I think if you're using like a Coco Lopez, um, that's a different story. But yeah, I think I think it's kind of this idea of redefining the pina colada for modern drinkers. Yeah. So you have a pina colada there. Well, I have one more thought I want to get into before we. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Really. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You don't wait on me. (laughs) Um, I think the last thing I would say is that there's there's also a piece of this that makes sense to me as a part of something that we have been talking about. We we've touched on a couple times in recent episodes, which is I do also think there is a a kind of drinker. Um, maybe younger, but not necessarily exclusively, who sees their, you know, it's not just nostalgia, there's a kind of irreverent and almost, you know, I hate this term, I'm not sure if I can think of a better one. There's a sort of the love of indulgence in something that feels over the top unhealthy in the way that a pina colada can have that air to it, depending on how it's yeah. made. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, too, is not just nostalgia, because we're, I don't know if we're seeing, you know, we're seeing nostalgia for a lot of things, and some of them are, you know, conveys a lot of, or covers a lot of different categories. But there's this kind of drink, and whether it's, uh, to some extent, the espresso martini fits into this, mm-hmm. you know, you see people, like, bringing things like mudslides and grasshoppers and, like, Grass these drinks that yep. are, like, very rich, very sweet, like, decidedly caloric. But there's a kind of, like, fuck it, I'm out. I want to like have this thing and like it's preposterousness is part of the appeal. Yeah. I mean, I think that's only happening though because it's on, they're on menus now. Like For nobody sure. is going to go, it's probably very unlikely that someone will go to a bar and call for a pina colada or a grasshopper or something like that. Yeah. Um, maybe an espresso martini that would have happened before they were everywhere, but. But I, I think now that they're on menus, there's this freedom to order them um, because they are kind of like very enjoyable, like you said, in, indulgent drinks. But, you know, if a bartender's putting them on the menu, then they want me to order them and I don't feel bad about it. Well, and you know that they're set up to make it. That's the other thing. Exactly. Like this is like yeah. if you walk into your average bar, even an average cocktail bar. And you ask for a pina colada. I mean, <laughs> you who knows what you know. Again, there are you can make a, an acceptable version of this drink with, you know, canned pineapple juice and whatever coconut product they have lying around. But it, it does need the right ingredients, and it needs you know, to, kind of needs to be on a menu so that those ingredients are made freshly 
for it to really sing. And so, yeah, I agree. Definitely it being on menus drives people to order it. And I think it only really works in that world where it is being ordered often enough to be made correctly, if that makes sense. Agree. All right, let's drink. So tell me what's in yours. Okay, so I have two ounces of rum. The rum in question is Angostura 1919, which is what I found on the bar cart. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have two ounces of pineapple juice, just plain like straight pineapple juice. I did not juice it myself, but it's not (laughs) dull either. Um, Dull's fine. And I have two ounces of unsweetened coconut cream shaken over ice and then poured into a rocks glass over some crushed ice. Nice. That is essentially what I have. So I used the uh, 10 to 1 white rum. Nice. And I used, yeah, um, some higher quality, but definitely store-bought pineapple juice and uh, also some just very straightforward coconut cream. I did two shakes. I did a dry shake. So shook the okay. ingredients together just because I think when working for me- a little chunky. Yeah. Yeah. When working with coconut cream, like I, I don't, what I don't want it to do is like get too cold right away and start sticking to the ice cubes in a way that like kind of fucks with the texture. Yeah. So I just gave it a quick shake with the, just the liquid ingredients and then added my ice shook and yeah, strained into a rocks glass over crushed ice. And like you did 222, which is the the official recipe on vinepair.com, yeah. <laughs> um, if you are curious, and I think it makes a great drink. I, there, you know, The cool thing about a pina colada, too, is, of course, you can add things to it, riff on it. It's very um, forgiving. I often, um, when I've made them in the past, will actually add like a little bit of bitters to it. I think that's kind of a nice mm. little play with it. Or, of course, there's lots of different ways you can go with it, but the classic is good, too, and I'm going to now actually have some instead of just talking about it. Yeah, I don't think I've had, I don't think I've had a pina colada like this. Like oh, I really? only had a frozen pina colada in the past. So what do you think? I like it a lot. I think it could be a nice up drink as well. You might need a big Maybe. glass. Or I guess you'd have to go like one, one, one. But then it's a very nice, very short, limited. Short drink. <laughs> you're getting, well, it's like, you know, you're only getting an ounce of spirit. Like that's the thing about a drink like this too. Is like, that's true. It's a large volume wise, but two thirds of the drink is juice or, you know, It's low ABV cream. then. It is. Um, which is maybe <laughs> um, another reason why it's been appealing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish I had him here, but I think recently he had like a mini pina colada somewhere. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, too, because, you know, we were talking, I was talking to Tim and Katie about this. Maybe that's all you want of a pina colada. Mm, just a little, like a just a little sip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Um, I think you could also see like the other thing that's fun about this is, is it's a drink where I think you could look at because of kind of the relative malleability of rum in cocktails and the fact that like, we, we can think of so many things that go beautifully with coconut in cuisine. Like, I think you could probably make a spicy pina colada without much trouble. I think you could probably yeah. make like a lemongrass pina colada. I mean, you know, you would need to <laughs> get the lemongrass in there some way other than putting lemongrass in. That's a bad idea for your drink. Maybe you could <laughs> use a lemongrass straw. I don't know. That might be kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's like a lot of, um, you know, obviously fruits can get other fruits can get added in. Um, I've seen like mango. I think you could do like strawberry or something like that would probably work well. But again, like the classic formulation is just is, I think, surprisingly delicious. And a thing that is true about it, too, when you make it with quality ingredients is it's actually not like that sweet. Like pineapple no. juice is sweet, but it's also extremely acidic. And coconut cream by itself is like honestly more has more of a, almost a bitterness to it um, that I think kind of balances the drink in an interesting way. Yeah. I don't find this overly sweet at all. Um, and it was really easy to make actually. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly when you're not taking out a blender and all of that. So 
Not that that's also a bad idea. I might be doing that later. Who knows? True. I, w- I was wondering if you were going to uh, do a blended one. but <laughs> It I is a holiday weekend. I might have to bust out the blender for that. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to order more of these pina coladas, do a little more research on this, but I think it's a really fun drink and uh, we should keep drinking them. I, I'm right here with you. Well, Zach, have a wonderful holiday weekend and a wonderful Labor Day weekend to all of our listeners as well. And we will be back next week. Um, So I'll talk to you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So, the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered, and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.